Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 66 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. Just back from a trip in Florida where I was getting to hang out with a lot of really cool industry people. And I've got some future guests that you guys will really, uh, really enjoy. But uh, I've got a guess that we had a little little trick getting uh, scheduled, but I'm really excited to have Jeff Tomko on here. So a little bit about Jeff, because Jeff may not be one of the the, the super big names of the industry, but he's actually important and influential. And we're going to talk about kind of the behind the scenes stuff as the uh, a contributing editor of Muscle and Fitness Magazine, a publication that I've been reading for my entire lifting career. Uh, Jeff, you're also a fitness writer. And uh, that's some of the stuff that I actually think is one of the most important skills to accumulate in our careers. So it's great to have you on. Well, Andrew, man, hey, thank you so much. Love, very, uh, greatly appreciate this. Yeah, we connected through our friend, Shane McLean, who writes for you. And I recently had Shane on and I, I really enjoyed getting Shane on because you kind of set him loose and he's got kind of a quieter profile in our industry. And someone may look at, you know, a Dr. Mike Gizertel or Jordan Shallow, the muscle doc, or um, some of the other quote, larger name personalities like Jordan Syatt with 800,000 followers. And then we get Shane on and Shane was one of the best episodes I ever had. And he's got the credibility because it, you know, writing for a big publication, like a very legendary publication, like Muscle and Fitness Magazine is a really substantial piece of, of, of career accomplishment. So I, I had to bring him on because he doesn't do a lot of these podcasts. He was tickled and you get that, that Aussie accent mixed with living in Louisiana loose yes. on here. And he's funny. And you get him started and he goes on and on and on. And it's a great thing because it's been a great contributor for us right now. So I really, really appreciate his work and his help. See, and, and I, I love this because I really like highlighting and sharing others. And, and I highlight this because for any of our, my listeners who, you know, you're thinking about a podcast or you do your own, one of the best benefits of this is, I mean, I'm, I'm selfish as hell when it comes to this. You know what? You guys get all listed in, but realistically, I get an hour to pick the brain of someone who's accomplished a lot in the industry. And I'm always learning stuff from this. So it's, I don't, I, you know, people get really like contentious about like something like Joe Rogan these days. And I, I've never listened to Rogan. I'm fine with him. But Rogue is genuinely curious, and he's in these conversations to learn from the people he's interviewing. Whatever your opinion about it may be, we ain't going there. But uh, everybody else just gets the benefit from uh, listening in. So I alluded to how you know a lot of my guests have had very large forward-facing brands, right? Large followings. And you're really working quietly behind the scenes, supporting other things, and you're a major fixture behind a very large brand in, in Muscle Fitness Magazine. So I guess I'll throw sort of a, a ballpark question of why do you why do you sit in that place versus having tried to be more forefront and, and trying to speak at a lot of these industry events or accumulate a personal brand name? What is it about being an editor, writer for Muscle and Fitness as part of that bigger brand has been most appealing to you? What's been valuable? Truthfully, I don't consider myself an expert per se, in training and science and all those things. But what I do think I have a biggest skill for is asking the right questions to all the experts and getting the best from them and taking a little bit from expert A, B, and C, and then bringing it together and making a worthwhile story for it. So I think that's where my, I guess, my skill, my talent level into this field is. I don't consider myself a trainer. I don't consider myself a scientist, PT, any of that stuff. But someone who can ask questions probably so a fitness professional who does not wander outside his scope of practice <laughs> what's going on here go figure that one 
and, and I say that both in seriousness and in jest because we all know that we, we love to get on, on social media and, and wax poetic about things that go a little bit outside of, you know, our, our true knowledge base or our scope. And I mean, sometimes it's egregious and sometimes like, hey, guess what? We're just talking about things we're talking about. But I do respect that. And there's a lot of humility in what you just said. Uh, and our industry can get a bit of a bad rap for lack of humility. But I guess with you, is there any desire to step outside of where you are with this? Or are you really fulfilled in the role that you're in? I'm fulfilled in the, in the position I am, maybe not the exact role I'm in right now, but I think writing about it, asking questions, I think that's something I'm pretty comfortable with and I kind of enjoy that. I like, I truthfully, as you can tell, I rather listen to other people's answers than give my own answers. So I think that's one thing that keeps me behind the scenes just a little bit more than maybe I should be. It probably is one of the most important skills any coach can develop. And, you know, I certainly know it myself being, being a host on this. Um, I ha there are certain guests. Uh, if I get Luca Hosevar on here, he's one good example. Or I had Brett Contreras on a very long time ago. And you just wind them up, set them, set them loose, and you don't have to say much. They just go, right? Martin Rooney just fires right up. And then there are some other people I, I have to, to, to find the right cues to draw some people out to gain all that experience. We got 45 minutes. So, hey, good luck with that now. <laughs> we probably wouldn't even need that long. Um, <laughs> so what? Let's, let's actually talk about that skill in listening and asking questions because it doesn't just relate to being an editor, but also relates to being a great coach and great trainer. Was that something that you've always kind of been like, felt fairly innate, or is this is a skill that you've acquired and worked on? I think, uh, I mean, background, I started off in sports writing. So I think it developed maybe from high school sports, college football. And I think it just, that's where the whole question started coming in. Before, a little bit older now. Now I think, how do I describe it? I'm a little more forward now with asking questions. Maybe before I may have been afraid of asking certain questions. Maybe because maybe I don't want to say intimidation over better, bigger athletes, but now it evolved into now a question I didn't ask 10 years ago. Now I'm glad I'm okay with plus a follow-up and a follow-up and a follow-up. And I just need to develop that skill. And I just think it just keeps, it keeps expanding. It keeps snowballing from there into more, I guess more information that you didn't expect to find out uh, two minutes into a, into a piece. What are some of the, the best things you can get from just being fearless and being able to ask those questions? Uh, some background information that you didn't think you were going to get. You didn't think you're going to get something maybe more in depth, more personal than other than three sets of 10 from certain, certain athletes. So, and I think that's, that comes out a lot more, comes out a lot more now. And I guess we could easily say it's an essential skill for a writer, uh, a communicator and educator, because mm -hmm if you're limited to just the scope of what you already know versus having that curiosity to learn more, then you're, you're limited in what you can turn around and share and, and teach people. Maybe, maybe a better example for me would be, like I said, back in the day, somebody had a bad a quarterback through game, game losing interception at the last sec. I, I'd be afraid to ask a guy one time, well, how do you feel afterwards? It's pretty much. I probably already know what you feel like. You feel like crap probably. So I don't want to really bring the worst out to you. Now I think, it evolved into now you've got to ask that and you got to now what did you learn from that and now there's five questions that can go beyond that so I think it just over time you develop you develop a, I guess a broader range of 
questions or finding ways to get to that answer you're looking for. Do you feel that it's helped your career having the fearless, fearlessness to ask things? Has that been an asset in putting you where you are? I think it helps to this day, yeah. I think it helps in the sense that it's not, I'm not going to look for one word answers or as a good, anyone, any good writer would say, I don't want the one word answers, the yes, the no's, it's good, it's bad. You want to get more in depth. You want to keep dragging stuff out of people, drawing stuff out of people where you can just have an, make one small story and make it into a larger and larger and just keep going from there. I think this relates to, to young coaches in their careers and trying to, you know, develop all aspects of their business and their brand. And I am of the attitude where I try to give, share, support, and do a lot of things, whether it's social media content or writing or podcasting or whatever, where it's giving a lot more than I'm ever turning around and trying to just ask. If I've got someone who, you know, I want to get a, a podcast guest on, well, I want to make sure that the hour that I get to spend with them is something that's really worthwhile for them. It puts them in front of a new audience or it's, it's such a, it's an experience because I'm really asking of their time. And I find that a lot of times in my messages, I'll get people who will frame what's really them asking for something and asking for my time around something that they're claiming benefits me. And usually it's just a sales pitch. And I, I'm not a big fan of cold sales pitches. Do you have any thoughts on the nuance between not being pushy and inappropriate in terms of just straight up asking for things versus having a little bit of fearlessness and putting yourself out there to ask for opportunities? Uh, because if we don't put ourselves out there, sometimes good things don't come to us either. So is there a nuance or a balance for you with, between those two extremes? As far as my asking or someone asking me? Well, either or, right? Or just in general for, you know, I, I, I'm a young emerging coach who's trying to figure that out. Because again, you're the editor of a major magazine. I know that you've had people who've been in your, your messages going, hey, I want to write for you. And you're like, who, who are you? Like, what have you done, right? And they're just, they're really just looking to promote themselves. Whereas you also probably have some other people that they come to you and they've built up a lot of capital and then you have a conversation, realize this person would actually be a real asset to our publication. I think it's the approach, actually. I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, if someone's willing, someone's young, willing, hey, I've got some ideas I've written here before. I would like to do this. Here's what I can bring you. What can I go from here? As opposed to, hey, look at me. I've done this here. When can I start? Or, hey, can we do... So it's just, it's, again, it's a case-by-case. -case. It's, I guess, professionalism counts in that as well. But Persistence is also a good thing. There's a tricky one right there because, again, I get these cold email messages that someone is just trying to, you know, sell me on improving my website or my Instagram engagement, and it's just relentless. And sometimes they'll like, oh, we like this post, blah, blah, blah. I have this system, boom, right to the sales pitch. And I just ignore those. Um, I think it was in Cal Newport's writing, I don't know if you're familiar with Cal Newport and his books, that if someone gets in your messages and makes a pitch to you, that you don't see as valuable. You're not under any obligation to actually reply to them with your time. That's that's Cal's attitude. But I guess it's not always like that if you have young fitness professionals who showcase, maybe they're not ready, but they've showed a genuine enthusiasm and they're being polite and respectful. No, absolutely. And there's always a place to start. And I think the way you present yourself, yeah, sure. Any thoughts on 
on how fitness professionals can conduct themselves, present themselves in these interactions. Um, you know, things that you've liked that you've seen people do, or maybe stuff that you found off-putting. I would think, uh, well, off-putting is uh, the unprofessional persistence. Hey, did you get my last email? Hey, I need a follow-up. Hey, anything from you would be appreciated. No, if you're not going to get that at this point. Mm-hmm. Or the person who says, hey, I just want to write for you. What can I do? Very vague. But if, hey, I'm a fitness, I'm a fitness professional. I've done this. I've got a little bit. I got a background here. I would like to maybe do something. How can I help? Now we've got a background. Now we've got something to work with. Here's what I here's what I can offer you. Here's, I need help here. Sounds like you could do this part of the job. Would you be willing to? You need to say yes or no. And I think that's that's the difference there instead of just the uh, the misguided persistence or the misguided uh, pushiness, I should say. And I'm torn between respecting someone from taking a shot uh, and putting themselves out there and the the obvious, hey, here's how I can benefit from this, but I'm going to try to like make it sound like it's something for you, but it's really entirely about me. And they don't, there's also these transparent things where they, they showcase, they really don't know much about you. They're just looking to see how can they benefit from it. And it goes back to my philosophy about trying to do as much as possible to be supportive of others. And every step of the way, all the stuff that has happened in my career to try to earn it. And I, and I'm a big believer in that. But I think there's a fine line because if you just wait for things to happen to you without you going out and putting yourself out there, then a lot of stuff will pass you by. So it's, I guess it's a delicate balance, right? That's right. So if you didn't come to me, I probably wasn't going to come here. Andrew, let me be on your podcast. So it works like that. And I appreciate that. And there, there's a good example. So I do get asked somewhat frequently, Hey, you know, I'd love to come on your podcast. And I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I didn't mean that. Just no, I, but, I, but, I, but I like that. But I mean, my, my official policy is, is that, yeah, like I don't accept people asking to come on the podcast. And I do that as a blanket rule because, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody, but I have a certain, and I don't usually quote publicize what my criteria is, but one of the major criteria is that someone has an established reputation as an educator or has accomplished some pretty substantial stuff in their career uh, in terms of brand and being the editor of a major publication absolutely checks one of those huge boxes being a being a published fitness writer for major publications is a pretty big one for me so but every once in a while like I I was I had a bunch of the precision nutrition people on and I of course alluded to the fact that I had a lot of respect for Dr. John Berardi and would love to have him as a guest and then he turned around and said yeah he's heard great things so he agreed to do it so it was it was half us my, me and my old podcast partner positioning ourselves to hopefully get him, but it was him saying, Hey, I'd like to come on your podcast. And we're like, of course, right. Dr. John Berardi is such a, an institutional figure in our industry that, you know, he can do that. Or um, I, I remember early on, like Jonathan Goodman reached out and asked if he could come on. And I said, absolutely. You know, John, you've really, really established yourself as a leader in the industry. But uh, I always also want to hopefully through these conversations, encourage people to put themselves out there. Uh, we t- certainly, we're going to talk a lot about writing and any thoughts on how people can get started with writing and particularly the value to a fitness career in being a skilled writer. Keep writing. That's how you do it. You just keep writing because eventually you're going to get better. The first one's going to be garbage. The second one is going to be not so great either. This is from experience. Trust me. But eventually you're going to find your voice. You're going to figure it out. And you know what? And the other thing is take advice, take criticism. Don't take it personally. 
because all of us do it first and we it bites us eventually. But once you, you're willing to say, hey, okay, I understand what you mean by this. Now I can fix it and now I can get better. So I keep writing and take criticism and it's gonna make you a better writer a lot sooner. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I've worked with several editors along the way and I'm sort of lucky. I was asked to write for Teen Nation and, and ultimately, you know, I send them stuff and there's like almost no feedback. I, I read the thing. It's like, it's been edited, but you know, they're at the point where they really like my stuff and they ask for more. But along the way, I had one editor who's a really great professional editor who, when I submitted something, I clearly didn't follow quote the guidelines of what they were looking for. They were looking for something that was a bit more of a rigid guideline and formula. And I was on a time crunch and I had a vacation to see family coming up. And ultimately I got some quote critical feedback back. And I, at the first moment I was quite taken aback. And then I paused and I was like, no, this is actually really valuable. This is going to make me better. So you definitely don't let your ego get in the way of this sort of thing. You look at it and go, well, you know, I really want to do a good job. I want to showcase that I'm willing to listen to put in the work to get it right. So I spent, you know, half of the first day of a, a vacation sitting down and making sure that I turned around and, and got it all right and set it off. And ultimately they were really happy with the work. So you're not too cool to be given some tough criticism from an editor. Uh, and ultimately if you, you guys all talk, right? You, you I was going to say deep down, you probably know what you screwed up in that article anyway. So, but you're just hoping the editor doesn't find it. So <laughs> what he tells you probably you've already nine out of 10 times you already know, but it's good to hear it. So. And I guess there's also an element of, I like to, when I send things off, I like to have my editors do as little work as possible. I want it to be, hey, okay, an editor to trust me to go, all right, they're going to send me really good stuff. It's going to be good ideas. You know, I'll rework a little bit, but there's no grammatical errors, all that sort of stuff. But it's also just good quality writing, good ideas. Whereas I don't want an editor to have to completely rewrite and reformulate everything with a whole bunch of mistakes in it. So I'm willing to put in that work because at the end of the day, which type of writer is a lot easier to work with for you? Uh, which type of writer who am I going to come back to is also the key thing. So the one that's misspelled, the one that's sloppy, we're going to put him on the side for a little bit. But somebody who say, puts their time into it, whether it's got some mistakes, whether it's got some things that got to be redone, no, we can work with that. But you can, you can tell who puts the time in it, who just gets that thing out, out of the way. So it's, it's not that hard to spot. But if you effort always is rewarded in the end. And I hope anybody who's an aspiring writer is like really soaking this up. I'm a big fan of the editing process. And I think one of the best things you do is read books on writing. Um, I like to have usually at any given time, one ongoing, just top of mind. And it's made me a much better writer. I, I always like on writing well by uh, William Zinser is kind of one of the classics. Mm -hmm. And anybody who comes to me asks about writing, it's one of the first pieces of advice I give them. I also tell them get writing for your own website. Uh, so I guess, what do you look for when you've got someone coming to you? Do you want to see a demonstrated track record of writing already? I guess that's kind of essential. Mm, it helps a lot, yeah. So it, it helps to see other published works. That helps to see, I guess, a little bit of their background. So that's probably the first thing you see. If you don't have much of it, then hey, maybe we'll start slow. We'll start low and we'll just start and maybe show me something first and then we can work from there. So. So, but yeah, the more, the more you have, I mean, obviously it's better. Do you like to see people having their own websites with their own articles or their own, their own blogs? Or is that not really a big deal for you? 
it's not a big deal for me, but it's good. I mean, it's good to have. I wish I did more. Personally, I wish I did more of it myself, but uh, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. It's probably, if it works for them, hey, by all means, go for it. Okay. So, yeah. And uh, an additional thought on the editing process too, like I am a meticulous editor to the point where it takes me a little while. It takes me, you know, many hours to get a good article that I'm really satisfied with. And I was spent, um, I, I spent some time this past weekend, uh, a week and a half ago in Florida and my friend Lee Boyce, who is probably one of the most prolific, you would obviously have worked with Lee or certainly know who he is. Actually, I think he was in the article that we did together. We did with Shane. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that is true. So, so Lee, Lee is one of them. It may be the most prolific fitness writer in terms of the number of articles he writes for his own stuff and all these other publications. And in terms of the breadth of the publications written for, I don't even know if there's anybody close in his young career. But Lee was telling me he's gotten to the point now where he can just sit down, smash it out. And he's he's a really great writer to the point where he doesn't have to do a lot of editing with it. But I will say to everybody else, and all these books on writing, when it talks about Ernest Hemingway and all these other famous writers, the first drafts are usually terrible and you're just getting your ideas out and then you're going to go back. And if you're really aggressive with the editing process, that's where I think great writing really comes out of it. Most of us aren't going to be likely. No. And for a person who makes plenty of mistakes in his writing, I would always say, if you've got the time to sleep on it and look at it the next morning, do that as well, because you will find some things, you will find a few more mistakes than you thought you, you uh, eliminated, at least from my own personal experience. But Sometimes we don't, we don't get that opportunity, especially in this time in day of age where you just got turned out a lot more than usual. So you don't get that luxury all the time, but when you could give it a second read. How do you strike the balance between making sure it's, you're putting in the time to edit it and really make sure it's great quality, but not succumbing to perfectionism to the point where you're never comfortable. It's never good enough. <sighs> ah, do a shot, look at it again, say, yeah, that's good to go. No, but seriously, uh, you, you know your time limit. You, you don't spend three hours anymore on a story that's got to go out today regardless. So you, you clean it up when you can, tighten it up, clean it, go for a headline, and then if it meets your criteria, meets everything you need, it's got to go. So that's uh, one, the one drawback of, I guess, today's writing is you don't have we don't have the luxury of just sitting there all day and just going over. Don't have the manpower, don't have the time and just go over, re-edit and re-edit. So it's pretty much, you've got maybe one or two tries and that's all you got. So I guess you alluded to something that um, I, I guess this changes there. I don't want to say that print magazines are dead by any stretch of imagination, but you're making a face here for the audio listeners. But we know that there are less of the print magazines. And, you know, I, I, you could probably better answer this than me in terms of what their cert circulation is like. But we know there's been growth in the online writing. And all of my writing to date has been for online publications. I don't have anything in a print magazine at this point. Um, ambition to someday do that. But any thoughts on kind of what's going on there? Any of the direction that we're seeing? Um, what, what is print looking like right now? Bombshell. Uh, Muscle Fitness has been out of print circulation for maybe two years now. So pretty much a web. It's, we did one issue last year, kind of successful. We all got good reviews, got good feedback from it. Where it's going from here is still up in the air, but it's, yeah, it's hard now. It's really hard. Circulation is far from what it once was. And, but yet the funny thing is 
if you talk to people, everybody wants to be in a magazine. Just unfortunately, nobody wants to buy the magazine. So <laughs> it's like you've got that little bit of a dilemma there, but it is what it is now. So we just got to shift a lot to the web. We're not, well, for our case, all of it right now. And I guess, if I'm not mistaken, the, the print magazine you guys did, was that the one with Don Saladino on the cover? Yes. Yeah, I got to hang out with Don in Seattle at Luca's event. And Don was amazing. Sat down to have dinner with him in a group setting. And he came on the podcast. And just I got a virtual tour of just before we went on air of the barn. This gym, the holy sweet mother of God, this thing is great. I think the only thing that I've seen that like technically rivals it or is, might be better it would be the Rock's Iron Paradise. Well, the funny thing is over the summertime, we went down to down to Philly or outside of Philly for Lane Johnson, the uh, lineman for the Eagles. We checked out his barn. He had his own barn gym, which was fully equipped, which was a wow there, cool thing, a wow thing, where he had the whole powerlifting in interior. Outside was sleds, actually hold maybe a 25-yard tackling dummy uh, turf. It was really, really, the way he did it was really, really cool. So, yeah, it's they're popping up everywhere now. And I look at my well-equipped home basement gym studio where I've been trading clients for half of my time. The other half is at Evolve Strength, the place that I've contracted at for five years. Uh, COVID necessitated creating a second facility studio. And mine, I love it. It's great. But you do look at what God's got. You're just like, sweet mother of God. It's beautiful. But I look at that and it's not, you know, very careful about the thinking in terms of like envious of it. It's like, I love seeing someone like Don. He's earned it. He's worked his ass off for a very long time to be successful. And I look at it as like, hmm, that would be something really cool to aspire to if, you know, the circumstance ever allowed it. I, ultimately, I'm definitely going to make the effort to get down to New York. I got some friends down there and go see them and, and uh, hopefully get to check out the barn and lift in there. That would be a pretty cool dream, but I guess we'll see. And I know he's one of the people that you guys have a really, really big and strong relationship with. He's been a long time part of the muscle fitness family. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a lot with us and he's just great, great wealth of knowledge just to say, Hey, pick his brain and so much, so much knowledge there. So much talent. And like I said, my wife does his, his app, every his workout app for the past six months and she's hooked on it. So if you need any recommendations, any, what do you want to call it? Testimonials. She's willing to say, Hey, how great it is. And it, it goes to like, people look at Don and they see they're, oh, he's training all these celebrities and oh, he must be so lucky with her. But this is a guy who's owned a gym in Manhattan for 15 years and put in the effort. And sure, there's probably some lucky breaks in terms of, you know, initially meeting Hugh Jackman was kind of where it all started. But he's also had the skill and the knowledge and the, the people skills to put himself in a position to work with all the other Marvel superheroes and everybody he works with. And then he had the foresight to pivot really hard further into online as the craziness of the last two years happened, which is where the, the app and all this online stuff came out of. And he's now really positioned to, to go forward you know, with a very successful business model. So I like to point people to Don just to follow what he's doing to, I'm a big believer in not setting these artificial limits on what you could possibly do as a coach. You know, Maybe the person listening to this who's been in the industry for one, two, three years, or maybe less, and he's thinking, oh, I just want to get busy with clients in person. Okay, great. That's your focus right now. But I still like for you guys to think about, all right, how can you also chronicle and document your knowledge and expertise and the things that you've done to help people? And maybe that's writing like we were just talking about, or maybe it's YouTube, or maybe it's a podcast. Or, but either way, these are the sort of things you can accumulate. And then as you start traveling and meeting people in the industry, you get these cool breaks. And all of a sudden, 
every single person that is ever written for you guys, every single person who everybody listening follows, all the guests on this podcast, they all started out as brand new people in the industry somewhere. And somewhere along the line, a combination of a, a few lucky breaks with being, have accumulated a ton of experience and knowledge to put themselves in a position to benefit from those lucky breaks. And you said, and you just said it just moments ago, I said, a young trainer, two, three years, trying who want, maybe wants to start writing is he's got a few clients here and there. Not everyone is, has that different goals. There's gotta be a theme somewhere. So do use what you know, use what you see, what trends you see with your clients. And then, Hey, maybe grow something from there into a, into a piece, into an expertise kind of writing there. So there's definitely different ways to do it. Good. And ultimately what I will point people to do is I know you don't share as much on your social media about this sort of stuff, but if people can, you know, find you and interact with you, then, you know, they're going to probably be able to ask some questions as they have them with this stuff. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you're always looking out for great people to potentially work with the publication too. Uh, and again, I'm a big believer. I just can't get away from this idea of, you know, putting in the, the work I'm old school, right. I'm, I'm 43, which is a little bit older than a lot of the younger generation, you know, it makes me a, what, a Gen Xer. And that generation's philosophy is kind of like head down, put in the work and earn it. Whereas I know that younger generations tend to be a bit more ambitious or feel like they want to make a greater impact a little sooner. Um, and again, I admire that because if you're willing to put yourself out there and ask questions, but do it in a professional and respectful manner, like we talked about earlier, well, you can put yourself in a position. Um, and I don't think there's any harm in a really well-formulated submission to say, hey, these are my ideas. This is what I would love to do. And you never know. You may discover someone great who's on the rise. I mentioned Lee Boyce earlier. Lee started writing for Teen Nation in his early 20s. Yeah, no, not at all. That's the best way to do it. And never, will never say no to something like that. Right. Uh, how has, I mean, how, how long have you been in writing and in, in, in editing? I probably say writing. I've been in New York, probably for over 20 years now, I'd say probably the editing phase, probably the last, I'd say five to 10 years. Okay. So probably from fitness to news, even some politics as well. So yes. <laughs> we stay away from that. How has social media changed your, your job, your work, or the industry as a whole? How, is, how has it changed it? Yeah. How has social media changed it? I think it's just another outlet. It's, it makes it, let me see. I'd say it's definitely changed it in a good way, in a bad way. It's, I would say it's saturated the market with ideas, good, bad. And it's, yeah, I would say, I would say that's probably the best way I, I can describe it. It's sad. It's, it's pretty much just another outlet and it's just never ending as far as. I, I, I think you probably agree that it's not necessarily saturated with quality, but it takes more effort. I was, I was trying not to say it that way, but yeah, it's, you've got some good and you've got some very head scratching uh, type of material. Any advice for how to make sure that you stand out with quality in an otherwise saturated, noisy place? Don't overthink it. Don't reinvent some, don't create something that we people don't need. If that makes sense, I would say, I would say be eloquent, be wordy, but again, you don't have to wow anybody. I think wowing people now, the smart way to wow people now is just with the basics, is with 
just tried and true methods and not, again, 20,000 likes for something that you, that's not going to benefit anyone in the gym. I wholeheartedly agree with that philosophy. That is how I prefer to write. And that is how I prefer to approach my social media. And to date so far, it's done really, really well. So I've, uh, I've had a, good, a lot of good fortune with it. I just can't get behind. I mean, there are some people that I like and respect for my friends who definitely can wander into practical innovation with training. Lee Boyce does it well. Megan Calloway does it well, if you're familiar with Megan. But I do see a lot of, and we also like to complain about it, the cuckoo crazy, like wild stuff that someone's trying to grab onto new real estate, whether it's the liver king, because I mean, carnivore is already now a thing. Someone owns that. So now we have to go into organ meats and, and obviously lots and lots of drugs. Uh, I don't believe in policing that stuff either, but we're, we're seeing more and more extreme stuff because all of the other basics and proven things are kind of already owned, right? Like the Arnold press, Arnold's been doing that since what the late sixties, right? So are we going to come up with something new and funky that's totally different? Or I, I'm a big believer in what you said is if you can articulate basic proven stuff in a, and maybe it has to be an innovative way or, or a novel way that gets people's attention or reintroduces a new generation of people to proven things. We've seen exercise, I, a dumbbell pullover, classic bodybuilding exercise thing. Arnold and his era, the golden age of bodybuilding, they did it all the time. Fell out of favor, wasn't functional through the 90s and whatnot. And what are we seeing now? We're seeing this exercise is popular again in, in bodybuilding circles. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be, it's, it works. It worked for a really long time. Maybe it needs to be dusted off a little bit, but you can get out there and share it. And here's something I like to point out to people for your individual following for everything that's already been said and done out with the largest voices in, and brands and followings in our space. You have people on your social media or who are plugging into your, your long form content who aren't following all that other stuff. You are the go-to person. And if you hesitate to actually share what you know, you're missing an opportunity to help those people and keep the bad faith actors who will share bullshit from getting inside their heads and becoming their go-to person. It's a good point right there. Like I said, it's, again, basics is good. I think uselessness and dangerous combined with dangerousness is just a bad combination for anyone to really. I got to write that down. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry for the pause, guys. Jeff warned me that he would have pauses. Oh, I'm, oh was I supposed to keep going? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, no, I was you're good. I wanted, sometimes I got to just write stuff down because I don't want to lose it, right? Because I, I hate going back and spending the hour re-listening to episodes. I'll just make sure I make notes along the way, more efficient for my time. How do you stay personally hooked on fitness, your personal fitness stuff? Because your social media shows you lifting a lot. Uh, it's just something I've, it's, I've been born with. I'm not, I shouldn't say born with, but something I've just done since high school. And it's just been, it's been a routine since then. I think now probably in age now, it's evolved a little bit. I've, weightlifting is still in. I love to lift. I added now sort of incorporating jujitsu now, which is now taking up a lot of my time. And it's just, it's opened up a whole new, just a whole new avenue of fitness for me, which I hadn't done in all these years. God, 20 some years, 30 years. And it's like one of these things that you just, you wish you had tried sooner in life. So it's, it's evolved a little bit, but it's still a routine that's just going to be there probably the rest of my life until I can't get out of bed. You get jujitsu is something that fascinates me because I've never done any mixed martial arts. And I know that like Jordan Syatt 
is a really big name in our industry. Actually, he's my partner, or not my partner, but we were we trained together. See, how, we are. How, how small is the world there? That's super cool. And I know he got really passionate about it. And Jordan's a guy, Jordan's a little guy, but is he ever fucking strong? I mean, he, at his peak powerlifting days, I think he had a, what, a four times body weight deadlift. Yeah, Who does that? Me, and he threw me around the mat and, day, after day after day. And if you're that size, and I mean, obviously the technical skill is essential, but if you've got that kind of physical strength to back up the technical skill, you're going to be a maniac. I, one of the people I just do not want to imagine grappling with is a Mike Isertel, right? Mike and I weigh about the same thing. And I'm about, I think eight inches taller than he is. And I'm a big human being. Mike is an absolute bowling ball. Now being a bodybuilder does not automatically make you a great, uh, you know, fighter, but our grappler, but I could imagine Mike would be an absolutely awful creature to have to roll with on the, on the mat. Yeah. I don't I'll pass on that one. What <laughs> am um, my former podcast co-host Dean Guido? So, if for anybody who's a longtime muster, uh, Dean was with me for 150 episodes. He just got his blue belt. He's really proud of that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know where that stands in the belts because I'm totally right above me. So that's what I'm striving for right now. So, uh, Dean, to give you everybody an idea, Dean's about six foot two, and he's fluctuating between as heavy as 240 and maybe down to about 200. But as a power lifter, and he's got a pause bench 440. I know he's pulled over 700 pounds and I, I think he squatted around 600 pounds. Dean is a very freakishly strong human being. So you channel that into jujitsu and he's going to be a walking weapon. But one of my other really close friends had a scare recently. I don't want to discourage anyone, but he got compartment syndrome from an ankle lock and he's okay. Now it looks like he's out of the woods, but there was a 25 to 50% chance he was going to lose his leg. That's some scary shit. Oh, I, I freak accident. I mean, this is not something that you hear about every day. But uh, needless to say, just found out. So I was just chatting with him. He's been cooped up in the hospital for a couple of weeks, but he's in good spirits. He's making jokes about playing murder ball. If anybody's familiar with wheelchair basketball, mm-hmm. got a guy's a good, got a good sense of humor. I won't reveal who he is because he doesn't want any, like any of the sympathy or bullshit on social media. Um, any other thoughts about your own personal fitness journey? The stuff that you love to share or, uh, you know, advice for the emerging coaches who maybe for the demands for their coaching schedule and all the other things they want to do with their career, how to not lose the love of fitness. I would say the best way not to lose it is to keep evolving, to keep learning, to not get pigeonholed into that three sets of 10 uh, chest day, bench back day, incorporate more and try something, do it with your wife, go take a boxing class together, go, Go to jujitsu, add something else to it. There's, it's a different time now than when we grew up, when it was just, you go to the gym and you lift weights and there's one treadmill there and maybe a Stairmaster and that's it. There's a lot more options now. Incorporate that, have fun with that, stay true to it. Just go add some, go add some. Don't be so rigid anymore. There's too much, to, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun and don't lose the fun out of it. And there's a lot of ways to have fun besides just lifting a barbell. You know what? I still think lifting a barbell is fun, but I actually totally agree with you because it's going to be everybody's experience. For me, I've never lost. The- Did I just offend you already? 37 minutes in? <laughs> What's that? Say that again? Offend you after 37 minutes or? <laughs> no, not all. But <laughs> I have I have actually evolved in terms of the way I lift. Um, you know, I've got a left shoulder injury that gets a bit cranky and it actually hurt it a little bit in the, in the gym yesterday. It was sort of discouraging. I felt a little defeated. And there's certain things like I haven't been able to barbell bench press, like with a, a regular bar for a couple of years, a football bar, usually. Okay. Right. One of those Swiss bars, 
But, uh, you know, putting a barbell over my shoulders in low bar position to squat is just progressively getting more and more uncomfortable. So yeah, use a safety bar, but I've actually been doing a lot of uh, Bulgarian split squat variations. And I had a, a week off from travel, went in and hammered out some heavy dumbbell Bulgarian split squats. And I was sore, oh God, 18 hours later, I woke up and I'm like, oh shit, this is not good. And I basically been walking around like a Frankenstein's monster for about three days because my legs felt 200 pounds each. Uh, I had not felt this sore in a really long time, but it was fun because like, oh shit, this is cool. And I just approached my leg training with, uh, with some, a different approach than what I've been doing for a while. And I like to rotate, not every month, but you know, every several months to do some fundamental changes to my programs within the same theme. And uh, it keeps my training fresh. So it keeps me passionate about it. Yeah, I've done, like I said, mixing jujitsu with the weights. Try to do both today, which was really a rough go at it today. So you got to do it, do it smartly. Don't do, do as I say, don't do what I do today. So I, again, I can't appreciate from personal experience, but I do understand that jujitsu is tough on the body. It's, yeah, I've come out there banged up every now and then bleeding from places I didn't know I should be bleeding from, but it's, and yeah, I go right back the next day as much as possible. I'm guessing it gives you a healthy respect for watching, you know, high level fighters like UFC fighters in, in matches and whatnot. Cause you get the armchair person like, Oh, I would do this. I would do this. No, you would get stomped within three seconds in the ring. You would be gasping for air within 15 seconds, which is what I'm normally doing. And it's, <laughs> it's a whole, it's a whole different level of conditioning, which until you do it, you've got, got no idea. Uh, have you read, uh, do you know who Joel Jameson is? Are you familiar yeah. with Joel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joel's, uh, he's uh, Demetrius Johnson's longtime uh, strength and conditioning coach. He's big on the conditioning side. And I love his book, Ultimate MMA Conditioning. It's one of the best things on energy systems and training. So I'd like to plug that again, uh, just because just what you mentioned. And I had Joel on the podcast a while back. So anybody who's really interested in MMA stuff, especially training, go back and listen to Joel's uh, episode. It's not too far back. Jim uh, owner in Seattle, really great guy. Uh, where do people find you if they want to dig into more of your stuff? Well, I'm in my apartment right now. If anybody wants to knock, uh, come on over. But otherwise, try me on Instagram at Jeff Tomko, musclefitness.com, all the good places. Yeah, I guess muscle fitness is probably where they're going to find a lot of your stuff, right? Pretty much, yeah. So, the, only, the only other, when I hear the name Tomko, I always think of the Major League Baseball pitcher, Brett Tomko. It's the only other time I've ever heard that surname. So, cousin Brett. So, no, we're not cousins, but nah, didn't think so. It's, uh, <laughs> sometimes a small world. Yeah, it's my brother. Um, anyway, I really appreciate you coming on. I, uh, I enjoyed this. You've been fun. And I really do hope people will go and check out what you're doing because, again, like you're an influential figure in this space. And I want more people to know about what you're doing. And uh, hopefully maybe someone is inspired by this conversation, decides to really get serious about writing or put themselves out there. And you find a couple of really great writers over the course of the next couple of years who just decided they want to get started. Oh, I appreciate that. And yeah, anybody wants to try it, just spell Jeff right. That's all with a J, not a G. Not a G off? You're not a G off? <laughs> no, that's, that goes right to the trash heap. But <laughs> those, things, those little things I take personal, but everything else, fair game, so. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I'm uh, grateful to get connected with you. I mean, uh, through people like Andrew Gutman, and you probably know, remember Jeb Stuart Johnston. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, Jeb's, I got to bring Jeb on the podcast. It's been a really long time. He was an old guest. 
and uh, people like David Otey, a lot of the, the same universe that we've been swimming in. But uh, I ho hope everybody listening got a lot out of this one. Uh, please go follow Jeff, J-E-F-F, Tomko. And uh, I'm actually going to drop this one right away. So uh, Jeff will chat off air in a moment. Thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. If you're new to finding my, my podcast, uh, go check out some of the recent episodes. Go check out the one with Don Saladino. Go check out Joel Jameson. And you'll find a lot of the people that you've been following and you've been plugged into. And I hope you stick around. I hope you subscribe. And I hope you share this with just one person in your world who, you know, they're passionately growing their fitness career and you feel like this, this podcast would make them better. So thank you guys.